So hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the Spotlight Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Century 21 sales representatives in Canada, where we discuss the hot topics and important news in the real estate industry. So I'm your host, Linus Killius, and with me as always is Aaron Richardson. Hello. Aaron is a broker and general manager with Century 21 Heritage Group. Aaron has an extensive background in online marketing, technology, and customer service. And I'm the head of business development at the real estate marketing company, Homania. So before we start the show, Aaron, how's your week been? Oh, week's been good. Um, actually went camping last week and we're going to go camping next week. I have the, the week off next week. So um, I'm going to do a family camping vacation. Yeah, just so everyone knows, we're actually, we're still doing a show next week. We're just pre-recording one. So we will have a show coming out next week as well uh, to continue this mini-series. So anyone who's panicking that Aaron's going to be gone, don't worry. He'll be here <laughs> holding down the fort virtually anyways. Um, yeah, and uh, we're going camping a couple weeks too, so I'm pretty excited for that. And my kids have been crazy into Pokemon Go, which I've, uh, I, it's amazing how many people are playing that game these days. And uh, I mean, I guess it's good because it's getting people out and out and about walking around the neighborhood and such. But it's funny. I go downtown now and all I see is just people like looking at their phones. And I, I know they're playing Pokemon Go. And it sounds like there's like 10 percent, 15 percent of people are actually playing that game like actively right now in Canada. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a pretty crazy little uh, phenomenon that's been going I, on. Uh... I refused to look at the stock price because I was going to buy it a couple of weeks ago and uh, I went to go to do that on my app on my phone and uh, it wouldn't let me because it was called a pink slip stock and, uh, and I, I googled what that meant and it had a lot to do with it not being on the right, um, you know, not being on the NASDAQ or the, you know, any of the US based uh, stock markets and stuff like that. So, but it shot up, you know, uh, some 150% or something. So. So, yeah, then it shot back down because Nintendo uh, actually released a press release saying that, hey, listen, we don't actually own the company that makes this game. What we own is like a portion of the Pokemon company that licenses the the like the Pokemon name to the game. So their their stock price took like a historic tumble. It's still up higher than it was before it did that meteoric rise. But I'm sure a lot of people who got in kind of at the peak there uh, did, did pretty poorly also, on the you stock. Know what? So maybe it was good that you didn't. I, I refuse to look at it. So what you're telling me is good news. Yes, yes, <laughs> that, that's, that's that's obviously good. So anyways, my kids are enjoying it. It's getting them to want to go on walks and stuff more often which is great uh, but anyways this is not a pokemon go podcast so i guess we should probably get on with some more real estate news um so before we actually start the main show we've got a little piece of breaking news coming out of vancouver one which came up as a bit of a surprise to many with very little warning legislation was just introduced to impose a 15 percent property tax on all homes in metro vancouver for any purchases that are are made by non-permanent residents or Canadian citizens, or sorry, non-Canadian citizens. This transfer tax is going to go into effect on August the 2nd, and the plan is to curb the housing affordability issue that's facing the Vancouver market right now by stifling this influx of foreign ownership, uh, which is thought to be the main contributing factor to the problem. So foreign money is getting parked in Vancouver and many of the purchased homes are actually left vacant. And this is leading to a very frustrated Vancouver uh, marketplace for those, especially those aspiring to home ownership. So uh, they actually released some numbers along with this too. It looks like about 10% over the past month, about 10% of the value of transactions were foreign ownership transactions. So they think that this 15% number is kind of that great spot that it won't have a huge impact um, 
like right away on on uh, the housing market and prices, but it will slowly think, trend things downwards. Now, the one thing that really surprised me is how quickly this all happened. And a lot of uh, industry experts are very concerned that there wasn't very much consultation uh, in the in and about the industry before they decide on passing this and just how fast it is. It's August the 2nd, so this is less than a week away. I guess they're technically they're voting on the legislation on, on Thursday, so it hasn't passed yet, but it sounds like there's enough support that it will pass. Um, but th- the one important thing to note is that this is for any transaction that's closing after August the 2nd. And this isn't getting grandfathered in. So if you purchased a home a few weeks ago and you had no idea this was coming and you're a foreign ownership candidate, you're going to be hit with an extra 50% of the, the home's value on, on your bill at the end of the day. So I think that's what's really catching people by surprise. And not only that, not just for regular home sales, this is also for pre-built condos. So someone might have bought something a year ago, not realizing that you know the, they'd be imposed this extra 50% tax. So, Aaron, what do you what do you think about all this? Is this is this the right move for Vancouver to do? This is only for the Metro Vancouver area, which I guess is another thing to talk about in a second. But. Um, well, I mean, let's talk about the first thing in terms of um, it being grandfathered in, um, as well as the the quickness. I mean, a, a week away, and um, and it comes into effect right away. I can understand why the government's doing it. If uh, if such a tax was brought in and given any sort of lead time of two months or three months, you'd actually see a huge spike in sales and actually probably would do the opposite effect. It would actually, you know, increase the problem um, as well. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of a, they say it's a task grab. People are going to say that and uh, it might be a bit of a tax thing where they say, you know, we're not going to, we're going to make, make this affect um, the people that have purchased already. I don't think that seems fair to me if I'm a home seller in Vancouver and I've sold it to a foreign investor who now is going to maybe default or not close on it or not get the financing because now they have to put an extra 15% down because I know banks aren't going, if they've got a mortgage, they're not going to lend um, based on pre-qualified numbers and now an extra 15% is involved, right? Yeah, well, I can definitely see see the point with like the, the quickness of it, like mm-hmm. having it so fast so that no one can like purchase a home today and get within that uh, the allotted time period to avoid that tax. Uh, but the grandfather thing is the thing that w- like would concern me yeah. for the, exactly yeah. the reason you're saying too, because fifteen percent that's that's a large financial burden on top of a home. Like if you're talking on a million dollar yeah. home, that's an extra hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money to put up uh, for for a purchase. And like you said, the, the pre approval. Uh, for a mortgage might uh, not get approved with that uh, that additional amount too. So um, it seems like a strange decision on that end. Um, I wonder, it'll be interesting to see if there's anything that kind of comes of that. They do have a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, they can change it to from 10 to 20% as well based on how the performance in the marketplace goes. So I guess there always is that um, to, based on uh, how things go in the first few months. But uh, still, this is going to affect a lot of people very negatively, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, I mean, listen, I, I hate to sit on the fence on this, but I can see two sides. I can see wanting to do something um, uh, to curb the market and to, you know, look at the issues that uh, that are happening with affordability, et cetera. Um, but I can also see anytime the government has to intervene on a, on a market situation, it's it's never it never ends well. You know, it's you know, it could it could really have an adverse effect a year, two years, three years down the road. Well, the thing that I'm kind of curious about too is, is this just going to move the problem to a different location? 
what, are there just going to be different cities that attract foreign investment, um, either in and around the Vancouver area, outside of this zone where they have this land transfer tax? Or maybe people will start looking towards the east, maybe even Toronto too, which is already a hot market as well. It's going to just divert investors' funds to a different marketplace. I know BC oh. has put a lot of pressure on the Ontario government to follow suit as well, um, obviously because we have a very similar situation brewing in Toronto uh, compared to Vancouver. They want to make sure that... Um, yeah, Toronto follows suit as well. Uh, I don't know if that's going to necessarily happen. I imagine if I was uh, in the Toronto marketplace, if I was a legislator there, I'd do the wait and see approach, see how things work in BC before uh, trying to put this into place in Toronto as well. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the agents uh, around the office, what they're saying is that they don't think it's going to affect their market very much because if you have the the two, $3 million, and we're talking, that's a lot of foreign investment. They've got They've got a lot of money coming into the country. So the the amount of money that's coming in, the 15% isn't going to phase them in sense of if they had the money to purchase a lot of times with cash, you know, before they're just going to, they're just going to pay more. Like they're, they can afford to do this. So um, I don't know if I believe that. I, I think that people will start to think, well, maybe Toronto's more affordable, maybe Calgary or any other, other areas. But um yeah, I don't. Uh, I, you know, um, apparently, this got started in uh, Australia, actually, as a uh, as a test. Uh, let's say a test. We're, we test their markets. I don't know, but um, they started there. Um, and when I first heard that, I said, "Well, how's it going there? Oh, they love it. They think it's great." It's and then I just found out it was only a month old. So, <laughs> you know, how can you say that that's it's yeah. it's done anything over a month? So, um, yeah. Well, uh, you know. We, we we had we had 15% tax that we had actually taxes that came into Toronto in a similar situation when it was double the land transfer tax in Toronto and uh, trust me it didn't affect anything yeah <laughs> Toronto actually skyrocketed 20% over year over year so I don't know yeah 15% is a lot um, I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with the argument that uh the the foreign foreign investors will still just pay that extra fifteen percent and stick into the Vancouver yeah. marketplace. Uh, if if you're in business, you look at that and say, okay, well now I've got to make that extra fifteen percent return. Uh, yes. So it'd be very difficult to justify. Whereas you might be able to find a market that's very similar in and around. Like I said, this is only Metro Vancouver, so I, I mean I don't know what the, the necessarily the bounds are, but you'd imagine that you can find a suburb or a, a, a neighboring city or maybe like Victoria or something even right um, right to park your money as well. So I, I, that's what. I, I see as being a potential issue is just it's just smearing the problem around, which might be fine. Maybe that's just what it needs. It just needs to be smeared around a little bit to make Vancouver a little bit more affordable. You still have the foreign investment coming into the country, which is great for the real estate industry as well and for any of the support support industries. Uh, but then you don't have those kind of like hotbeds of in, insanely inflated uh, housing values. So, what what is going on in in BC right now? I mean, it seems like. Every week, there seems to be something that's disrupting the market, whether it be, you know, their uh, council, their real estate council and, and BC being, uh, again, a government having to step in to take over uh, um, over that. You know, it just seems like a lot of things happening over there. We should have maybe somebody from BC on the show just to get their take on it for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely it's been a very hectic marketplace. And I guess just that that's been happening because of this kind of affordability issues, especially in Vancouver as well. Yeah. Kind of. The, the, the pot is boiling over, I guess. Okay, well, we don't want to spend too much time on this because this is our new segment. Let's go on to the main part of our show now. So on today's show, we're actually going to be starting our mini-series on building the foundation of your real estate business. It's a four-part mini-series, and we're going to cover all the stages of developing a real estate business from fresh off of getting your real estate license all the way to getting like setting up a support system that can enable you to become a top producer. 
So whether you're a new agent or an experienced veteran, or even if you're in, a, in management of an office, I think this is definitely a series you're gonna wanna tune into. So that being said, today's show, we're gonna cover the new agent. You just received your license and you're ready to hit the ground running. So where do you start? It's a daunting process and there's no real right answer. But there are a lot of systems you can put in place that can help you build that foundation, which will set you on the right path to become a top producer in no time. So Aaron, I just got my license. I'm ready to sell homes. Where do I start? Where do I look to? Uh, you, listen, you need help. Um, <laughs> you can't do this on your own. Is, and, and, and every province does teach and train and license their agents differently. Um, so I'll speak in a general sense. And uh, even if you you know do a really good job of getting the license until you practice, you, you really don't know what it's like to sell a house and to, to build um, your clientele and your business and all the rest of it. But the main thing you've got to do is find uh, some support, um, whether it be the brokerage, a manager, you know, somebody in the business that can mentor you. Like, you need somebody to help you focus and get on track. And the biggest thing is to treat it like a business. This is you're not a salesperson. You don't think of yourself as getting out there and selling. Think about this as a business and build the business around the fundamentals that need to happen to have a successful career in real estate and it's 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 a difficult one and there's there's different programs are out there and we can talk about a few of those but uh, treat it like a business so why don't we start with like if you're just coming out of yeah. real estate college or you've got your license like where do you look like what kind of do you do you need to start vetting brokerages um like how do you start that process yep. even like i imagine um, so i'm yeah, yeah. No, I'm hoping at that point uh, that before you get your license you should probably have already done some interviews there's nothing stopping you from getting going and and um talking to the you know the top brands in your area um look at what's out there talk to the managers of each of the offices and then you know hone down and make your decision as soon as you get your license but um you know to save some time listen real estate when you get your license there's the, the clock's ticking in a lot of people's cases because there's some um you know some expenses and some budgeting that needs to happen and if if you uh if you don't get right into it you know sometimes it just becomes overwhelming and and you'll get out just as fast as you got in so that's a a good point and then because you might not have a sale coming in for the, the foreseeable future when you first get started too you may not have any income for the first you know several months even maybe longer too with with real estate being a very unpredictable income source especially off the hop uh, yeah. How can how can you deal with that as a new real estate agent too? Like I guess that's kind of an expectations money management situation, but I'm sure that's something that you come across. People coming yes. in, getting discouraged after a few months not having a deal, and then, uh, like you said, maybe leaving the industry because they do get discouraged. Yeah, and, and you should budget yourself. I mean, again, you get to uh, treat it like a business. If you're going to open a business tomorrow. You should have a budget. You should be uh, ready and able to, you know, put in the time and effort and work and all the rest of it. Um, however, you may know that people get uh, their real estate license, and and for the first year, I was part time. So I had my full time job. They knew that I was going to be getting into real estate. They were great with me, and I was able to do the things, you know, the, all the training and and getting the foundation set up for the first year. And then my expectations were. You know, in the second year, um, it was near the end of the first year. I had my first two sales. Then I cut the cord. I went full time. And you've got to do that at a certain point in time because it's really difficult to to be serious about this industry and do well in it part time. You just can't do it. Oh, for sure. Um, 
where, like, where do you start getting that business too? Like if you're just starting out, like it, yep. it, it's difficult. I know we've talked a lot about, you know, sphere of influence in the past and, and trying to like let your, your, your sphere of influence know that you're in the real estate industry and maybe you can get some, some leads that way. But uh, what's the tip, typical, you know, suggestions you'd have to that new agent to start getting their business rolling? Yeah. And whether or not you've got your license already or whether or not you're taking the courses, you should be at any point in time writing down everybody's address, telephone number, email that you know in, into some sort of system. If you have uh, an iPhone, it might be just your address, your your address uh, a book. It could be uh, an Outlook program, it could be Excel. It could be a Rolodex, the old you know handwritten Rolodex, whatever it is, get the information of the people that know you. If you were to call them tomorrow, they'd say, hey, how's it going? They know who you are. And uh, everybody should be on that list. Um, and, and don't forget anybody. Don't forget family. You just never know where business is going to come from. And you're going to use that list in certain systems that you'll set and put in place um, to make sure that uh, you're getting that uh, business that is, let's go, this, there's no, there's going to be very little um, budget that you have to spend on that type of business. It's about making phone calls. It's about stopping by houses. It's about getting getting in touch with people again and networking amongst the people that know you. Um, so you're going to be, you're going to be spending time getting and re reconnecting with people and, uh, and, and they're, they know what's going on in your life. You don't have to, you know, call them and say, by the way, I'm in real estate now, you know, I haven't talked to you in five years. Can you give me a referral? That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But, uh, what, you know, my first sale came from me stopping by at a restaurant and talking to my brother's friends that happened to be, you know, looking to buy and sell a house. So um, it was it was just as easy as that. And uh, and sometimes people, you know, forget that that's where you should be looking first. And, you know, they're starting to think, oh, I got to go out and knock on some doors and stuff, which is great. But first things first, let's get a foundation set up with your sphere of influence, sending newsletters monthly making your calls, um, you know, 12 a month consistently or just everybody at first, you know, get give them a call and, and say, say, see how life's doing and, and go from there. So should you be focusing on expanding your sphere of influence then? Like where should you be spending your time? You mentioned knocking on doors. I imagine that's a tedious task that not many people like to do. I mean, maybe some people do, but that's not something that would mm -hmm. be a, my cup of tea. Um, but like how do you expand that sphere of influence? Because obviously the larger it is and the more the more uh, solid contacts you have, the more likely you are to make a sale. You should be choosing, and we in our, in our company we call them pillars, which choose different pillars um, in order to get your business from. And one of them is going to be sphere of influence. And everybody should have that as a pillar because people know you and you have to keep in contact with people uh, on a regular basis. So sphere of influence is the first thing you focus on. The second one, I like open houses. I think open houses should be a second one. If you can get some open houses, that means you're going to network amongst the agents in your office. Get out there and meet some agents that are selling some properties, see what they're doing well, sit in on some uh, open houses with them. Um, find out how to properly do an open house and then get out there and do some open houses because that's a great source of income. I guess you mentioned other agents too. They're obviously probably a great resource as well for someone just getting started. Um, yeah. Do you find that th that that's a good place to turn to too for advice or, or like you said, to, to get on, on some of these open houses as well? Or is there a lot of competition there? Like I guess you're, you're in yeah. the same business and you're competing for the same business as all these, uh, as all of your peers, right? Um, it'd be nice to obviously have like a nice open environment, but is that always the case? Is like how, how, how do you deal with that side of things? Well, listen, there's, I, I think most markets have uh, uh, a lot of agents in it. It's just like uh, it's like anything numbers game, right? So you talk to four agents, four may say no. That's fine. You're going to talk to 20 agents. One may say yes. You know, so um, talk to the agents. You will get agents that are willing to help you. There's no doubt. You just you have to get outside your shell 
get talking to them, asking the right questions, and developing those relationships amongst the agents because that's a great source of uh, of, uh, of income. Um, sharing those uh, ideas as well as seeing how they do things, and you know, most offices I think cultivate an environment of sharing. I guess one other thing I've always kind of wondered about getting into the real estate industry too is that first sale that you're looking at making. It's something you've never done before. Um, as a prospective homeowner or a prospective purchaser, I don't know if I'd want a fresh-faced uh, agent representing me. How do you get past that to like you know inspire confidence mm-hmm. in your client um, to make sure that they decide to choose you as a real estate agent? Like say you get that listing, yeah. the listing presentation, you don't have any experience to back on. Everyone else who, who's presenting to these clients might have years and years of experience, hundreds and hundreds of sales under their belt. Like how do you compete against that? The, the, the profile of an agent that I've seen um, successful right out of school is the one that uh, shows all the confidence. And they may not know anything, but they show all the confidence. And uh, they get the business. And uh, they have the support systems with their management and, the, and, and all, the, all the rest. If you're out of school and you don't show the confidence, you're going to need to gain that confidence. And that's just getting thrown into some situations that you may not be comfortable with. You may be going on a few listing presentations, and after, their, after the listing presentation, you didn't get them. But again, it's a numbers game. Go on three more. Get them for one in four is probably going to work out. So, you know, the more you do, the more confidence you'll build and you'll get somebody else. You know what? I'm going to give you a shot because you seem like you're you're really working hard at it. Um, you know, we know you're new in the industry, but your your brokerage is, is, you know, really well known in town or, you know, you can use the brokerage's accolades uh, to help you and, and, and instill confidence. You can even share a listing. Why not? If you got a listing presentation, you're going to. Why not mentor with somebody that's been in the business a while that you've networked amongst in the, in your own office and say, listen, I'll split this one 50-50. Why don't uh, you come in and do this listing presentation with me? That's not a bad idea. That sounds like a great idea, actually. Because I imagine, you know, you say that you can go to a lot bunch of listing presentations to build confidence. But I imagine if you have a lot of unsuccessful listing presentations, you know, back to back to back, that could also make you lose confidence as well. It could have the reverse effect, right? It's so. true. That is true. Yeah. No. And you need you need to you need somebody to help you. I think whether it be your spouse, whether it be uh, a friend of yours or your manager or somebody else in the office. That's why I like networking amongst the other agents because you can hopefully work off of each other's uh, positive uh, vibes and get somebody to bring you up when you get down a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough industry. It's there's no doubt. And the toughest part of it is getting into it. Um, as soon as you, as soon as you sold a few houses, you're on a roll. Then we can start, you know, looking at uh, putting some consistency together. But uh, when you're first starting out, um, look at the different pillars. Start with your sphere of influence. Move to something like open houses or farming. Um, you know, looking at hot areas that uh, have just sold a house or just listed a house. You know, going to those areas and knocking on some doors. And um, you know, that's that, those are all good things to do. Um, but build your business right from the beginning and set up some systems uh, that you know you know that is going to help um, support everything else you do. You know, if you're not sending out a, a, a newsletter to somebody once a month, and we're talking send to the house, people forget that we have mail. <laughs> you know, send it to their house. If you don't have their address, get their address, find out where they live. But you have to send it to their house because an email is only 30% effective. I'm not saying not to do it, but you're you're gonna you're gonna want that mail piece. So you're talking about different, a bunch of different uh, things you could potentially do. Is there anything that you should be investing 
like money and time into like software, different services, like you know, website, CRM, like you got to manage this, this, um, yep. this contact list that you've got as well. Is, is there anything that uh, you can give advice for in this regard? Uh, the best thing that uh, uh, you've got with Century 21 is not only just the brand and, the, and the, some of the technology and stuff. I mean, they give you a CRM system. They give you a website. Um, obviously, if you're going to go on a listing presentation, people are going to Google you. You've got to get your website up and running. You've got to get that looking great. Um, it's a great website. The content you put on there will be found on Google because that's the power of the Century 21 brand. And then the, the CRM system that's there. Learn how to use it. Set, set, set people up on the, on the newsletter program that they have. Set people up on uh, special deals that they have with the brick and all this sort of stuff. And get them sent out, you know, every month or every other month. And, uh, and that gives you some um, free marketing, you know. And, and those systems are set up for you to use. I would use them. It doesn't cost you any money, right? Yeah. And just a little side note, too, we're actually going to be talking about this two weeks from now in the show we're going to be doing on how Century 21 can support uh, the new agent or the existing agents in kind of growing and expanding their business. So we'll be getting into more details on what Century 21's tools are to help you on this in a couple episodes. But it's good, definitely good to mention it now. Um, so one other thing you mentioned, too, is you kind of briefly touched on, you know, getting out, knocking on doors, maybe in your farm area. So that's another thing, too. Is it a good idea right off the bat to start farming an area or maybe specializing a specific type of home uh yeah it's great. Or, yeah. Do you, or do you do you wait until you're a bit more established before doing that is that something there's nothing wrong with starting listen if as long as you're uh, again um i guess time blocking and, and putting your your the right time in the right areas one of the, th the comments i get from agents all the time that are uh brand new is they're 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 pulled in so many different directions. They're taking all the training programs. They're telling them to go out and do this, do that. Do, and there's too many things, right? So look at priorities. Make sure you plan for those priorities. Get those in place. And then look to add to them. And, uh, you know, the, the door knocking is just one of those pillars. As soon as you get, you know, two pillars set up, go to the third pillar and look at um, another way to get some income. And, yes, door knocking. Call it door knocking. You should, should have a purpose for going out. And there's a lot of scripts out there and different techniques to, to go out and knock on some doors. Um, but I love what you had said about the uh, specializing in an area, um, especially when it comes to your whole business plan and your marketing of your website and everything. If you can just be an ex expert, let me say expert or, you know, in our in, in Ontario, we're not allowed to say we're an expert at a, at a, you know at bungalows, for example. But we can be um, all over the place about the fact that you know everything that there is to know about selling bungalows or century homes or um, you know houses that have uh, um, you know, anything unique to them. Maybe townhouses or first-time home buyers, condos. It can be a certain condo development. It can be a certain geographical area. I'm an expert in the area of Don Mills, right? So. Um, if you specialize in something and you have blogs about it or information about it on your website, if you come across as a specialist in that area, people will gravitate towards wanting to hear what you have to say when they go to list their house. Oh, for sure. And I imagine that's a lot of power in a listing presentation for a listing in a specific area that you have over anyone else you're competing against as well. Yeah. So you did mention that there's a lot of training that you get exposed to typically starting out. Is there too much training like you, you want like you said managing your time is important um i imagine there's some pitfalls that people fall into maybe it's just focusing too much on the learning not not so much as, uh, on the uh, the practical application of it uh, but like or maybe they just try and spread themselves too thin like is there anything any advice you have any pitfalls to avoid there yeah it's a difficult balance of the two and um you know there's a lot of trainers out there that uh you know you're, you're taking their training course and it's all about just getting out and doing it right 
and you're, you're sitting there and going, yeah, but I'm here listening to you tell me to go out there and do it. You know, it's like, if I didn't come and see you, I wouldn't be learning all this great stuff. You know, so it's a catch 22, sort of. I mean, just time block. You know, you should be doing a little bit of training a week and a little bit of out there getting the, getting your feet wet, getting the confidence. I mean, uh, I have told agents before, I don't want to see you at any more training seminars until you come back and show me a listing or show me a, a buyer lead. Um, you've taken too much training over the last year. You haven't sold anything. That means you're not out there getting the contacts that you need. Um, you know, we're doing the Rob Vivian uh, coaching program in our uh, in our business, and he's hit the nail on the head when it comes to numbers game. You know, he, he tells you, listen, we we know in order to you know make a hundred grand a year, you need to have eighty contacts, which is forty leads, and one in four work out, ten sales, hundred thousand dollars. Like it just it's just a numbers thing. So he, he says, you know what, you, you've got to pick up two leads this week. That's all you got to do. Talk to two people about real estate that might be thinking about buying or selling in the next three months. So, you know, it is a numbers game and you have to accomplish those goals. And if you're not accomplishing and doing the actions to get those leads, then, yeah, you're not going to make it. But uh, but if you are, you know, that and that's it's it's like I said, it is difficult. I see some of these new agents out there and, uh, you know, um, you sit down with them and do a business plan and you can only go so far as to give them the right plan in place and get out there and do it and it's up to you to get out there and do it and yeah. uh yeah. it's all initiative and, and drive i imagine the the drive is one of the most important parts for a real estate agent to have to the the, the wherewithal to stick to a plan because it's all good to put things down on paper but the application of it's the important part yeah okay so i guess we'll conclude our main segment there uh again we're going to be getting into more details on building your foundations in the following weeks uh, before we close the show, we're going to get into our app of the week segment. And we thought it would be very fitting to actually talk about podcast apps because we're doing a podcast. A lot of you are probably watching this on video, but don't realize that you can actually get this sent to your phone every week automatically. So you can listen to it on your phone, in the car, uh, on your own time. And you don't have to sit there in front of a monitor or watch it on your phone via video. I know you all like looking at me and Aaron and <laughs> listening to us talk for half an hour, but there is a lot to be said to just having the audio only format as well. So how do you, what are podcasts? How do you get those onto your phone? Well, if you go to spotlight.century21.ca slash podcast, we've got several links on that site. There's an iTunes link. There's a Google play link. There's a Stitcher link. If you go to any of those links, if you've got an iPhone, uh, if you go to the iTunes link, it'll actually open up on your iPhone and it'll, you'll be able to subscribe to the show in your iTunes app. It's very simple on an iPhone to get the setup. Once you subscribe to a show, you'll get the, the shows sent to you as soon as they're ready and published online, and you can listen to them on your own time. On Android, there's a little bit more that you've got to go through. You can use Google Play, which is kind of the, the baked-in Google Play music app. Or you can look for a third-party application. The one I use is Pocket Cast, which is a great app. It's it's probably just a few bucks. I can't remember exactly what the price of it is. But it's a great podcatcher app. So you, what you go into, you do, you open up the app, you search for the show, or you put in the the, the link in on the spotlight.centralmember.ca slash podcast. There's a little link in there you can use. Uh, and you can find the show there and subscribe to it. And again, it will automatically be sent to your phone every week. And again, there's other there's about a million podcasting apps you can find on iOS and Android. Stitcher is another popular one that has a lot of integration and a lot of auto, automobiles as well. But either way, we definitely suggest checking out podcasts on your phone because it's a great way to consume this audio. Uh, it's a lot more convenient than having to come and, and watch the video every week. So check it out. And as I'm going to say in the closing too, when you do go into the show, give us a review. It helps with the visibility of the show too. Give us a five-star review. Say a few nice words about me and Aaron, and uh, it goes a long way to increasing our subscriber base. 
So that being said, if you like the show, subscribe to the show on the aforementioned Stitchers, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts online. And please don't forget to leave us a five-star review on those sites. You can watch this and past shows at spotlight.century21.ca slash podcasts. If you need to reach us, you can email us anytime at podcast at homemania.com. That's podcast at H-O-M as in Mary, E-A-N as in Nancy, I-A.com. So this podcast was brought to you by the Spotlight Marketing Program, an exclusive marketing package available only to Century 21 agents in Canada. Spotlight provides agents with a comprehensive internet marketing strategy for their listings. We provide high-quality HDR photography, stunning HD video tours, a cutting-edge responsive website, and an extensive advertising system that'll help you sell your listings faster, sell them for more money, impress your clients, and generate leads. Find out why so many top agents are using Spotlight by visiting spotlight.century21.ca today. Thanks for watching. Have a great day.